neither one of them's actually trying to get the ball past the other opponent. They're just lobbing it back and mm-hmm. forth. Here you go, neoliberalism. Here you go, neo-fascism. Here you go, mm-hmm. neoliberalism. But we're still getting uh, beat back and forth. And that's why uh, I'm a huge advocate of breaking up the duopoly. I think it needs to happen. I don't think there's any other choice. We need to change the system. That's very hard to do. But the one good news is you can do that from the bottom up. It's mm-hmm. not impossible. Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about real-world economics, including modern money theory, and how life changes when you discover it. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Welcome to episode 100 of Activist MMT. Today I talk with stand-up comedian and progressive video podcaster Ron Placone. When there's not a global pandemic, Ron and Graham Elwood join together for a joint comedy tour. They've traveled all over the United States as well as Australia. I had the pleasure of seeing them twice in Philadelphia in 2019. The third time would have been October 9th, 2021, were it not for the Delta variant and our government not doing anything about, well, anything. Today, Ron and I talk about how he discovered MMT, especially through David Graeber's 2011 book, Debt. It was recommended to him by Stephen Hale over beers the day after a live show with Graham in Adelaide, Australia in late 2019. After describing his journey to MMT, Ron then expresses two of his concerns about MMT, one regarding how to apply the theory and the other with some of the practices of a small amount of its supporters. Among many other topics, Ron and I dig into the major but cordial disagreement we've had ever since meeting in August of 2018. Despite knowing that taxes don't pay for stuff at the national level, Ron believes strongly that leveraging the idea is a valuable political messaging tool. I say it's counterproductive, really counterproductive. Take a listen and see what you think. Beyond economics and politics, Ron and I share a love of music. For the past three years, I've been a small part of nearly every Ron Placone video and podcast episode, providing harmony for his theme song. In fact, the day this episode was recorded was the first that a new, more laid-back version of his theme, with new harmony, was debuted. At the very end of today's episode, after the closing theme music, you'll hear Ron and my live performances in Philadelphia. We sing the original version of Ron's theme song and then our cover of Tom Petty's Last Dance for Mary Jane. Ron plays the guitar and sings lead, and I sing harmony, whistle, and play percussion. With a big thanks to Jeff Ginter, the person who introduced me to MMT, 
for supplying the guitar. You'll find links to several episodes of Ron's show over the past three years with both me and Stephen Hale in the show notes. A final thing regarding today's episode is a minor kind of correction. The person with Stephen Hale in Australia was Phil Lawn. I also want to mention that, as always, you will find a duplicate of today's spoken introduction at the very, very end of the episode. It normally comes right after the closing theme music. This is for those who wish to hear it without even quiet music in the background. I started doing this more than a year ago at listener request. You can contact me directly on Twitter or at activistmmt at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a monthly patron of Activist MMT. For as little as a dollar a month, all patrons get super early access to nearly every episode. They also get the opportunity to ask my academic guests questions, and they also support the development of my large collection of Learn MMT resources, among several other things. To become a patron, you can start by visiting patreon.com slash activistmmt. Thanks. And now, on to my conversation with Ron Placone. Enjoy. Get your news on with Ron. Don't you want to know what's going on? We're getting our news on today. Get your news on with Ron. Don't you want to know what's going on? We're getting our news on today. Protest politics and digital rights. Climate change, MMT, and we love strikes. Get your news on with Ron. Don't you want to know what's going on? We're getting our news on today. Yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Good morning to all my... Oh, wait, it's afternoon now. I forgot. This is the uh, MMT Monday. It's always afternoon. So good afternoon universally. Good evening and hello to everybody in the future. Welcome to Get Your News On with Ron. Shout out to everyone who makes this show possible. Our friends over at Indie Left. Indie Left is a place to find all the content creators and streamers you know and love. They make a list. They curate it. They update it twice a day. You can get articles, streams. To find out everything they got going on is to subscribe to their Discord. Go to independentleft.media. And uh, for all of you listening to the podcast later, you may have noticed the new recording of the theme song. And, of course, that high harmony is once again today's guest, uh, Mr. Jeff Epstein, who is my guest for MMT Monday. Now, MMT Monday is a segment that the two of us do that is dedicated to MMT and things related to MMT. What does MMT stand for if this is your first time? It stands for Modern Monetary Theory, uh, and it has been popularized by uh, Stephanie Kelton, uh, Stephen Hell, among others. And it is the truth, the reality, that the United States creates its own currency. Uh, we make our own money, essentially, and we use this knowledge to benefit Wall Street and the powerful. We could also use this to benefit we the people, and that's the uh, very, very basic nuts and bolts assessment of what MMT is. We do a segment on it once a month, and this week, or this month rather, is a little different. Jeff, 
who I'm bringing in right now. What's up, Jeff? Jeff How you doing, everybody? Gonna, uh, we're going to switch roles. I don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, Get Your News On With Ron has, has gone through a, a slight format tweaking. And even though we've been doing uh, the MMT Monday for a while, we are doing a different tweakage for this month only where Jeff is going to interview me instead of the other way around where I kind of, uh, you know, Jeff and I kind of seek information together, but I pick his brain about MMT. He's going to interview me. I don't know what he's got in store. I don't know what's going to happen. This could be, be a coup, folks. This could be a straight up coup. You may be experiencing. Okay, you might be like, it's not even get your news on with Ron anymore. I know that's my voice. Get your MMT on with Jeff. I know that's my voice in the harmony, but I'm still (laughs) that. That is Jeff's voice in the harmony of the theme song. Uh, The the nice high harmony there. Jeff's got the pipes. Uh, So Jeff, all right, man, hit me with it. You're. I I like. I like. I like the new uh, uh, laid back, relaxed remix of the theme. Thank you. I like I'm it. I'm glad you dug it. I'm glad. And, you uh, and of course, huge, huge props for the sticking an MMT somewhere in there. Oh Very yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Very nice surprise. Very nice surprise. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I had a good weekend. Pretty low key actually, but uh, but still pretty nice. Okay. What about you? Um, okay, a little busy today, a little crazy today, but right. um, you, you said. Hey, uh, wait, good- wait, wait! Before we continue, uh, is today your birthday? Yesterday was my birthday. Yes, sir. Okay. Happy belated. I saw some stuff online. Oh, uh, on Facebook. I, kinda, I was kind of like, yeah. is, it, is it his birthday? But hey, well, happy belated. I hope you had a wonderful birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I have to say, you said uh, afternoon. You got. You said whatever, confused between good morning and good afternoon. I get up at 4.45 every morning. So once I eat lunch, which is at, what ends at like 10.30 or 10.45 or something, it's afternoon. I don't care <laughs> by right. definition. So I'm sticking with that. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I want to interview you. You have a story to tell. You have a story of how you you thought before you came to MMT, before you heard of MMT, then you how you discovered MMT, and then, and then how that changed your thinking. Um, and, you know, I, it's, it's very nice to have played a, a small and indirect role, I think, in that journey for you. And, I, you know, I look forward to hearing that. But, but that's kind of the goal of, of what I want to do today. What was your thinking before it? How did you discover it? And how did you, how did you, you know, that change your thinking, your activism and your interests after it? Because, you know, your, your interests, I don't think, I don't think your interests change once you discover MMT. I think they, they intensify. That that's how for me personally, let your interests intensify. So well, I would say maybe they expand. Um, expand for okay. for me. Uh, so to answer your question, uh, well, before before you answer the question, let's just start off with an introduction because this is you know for my audience, just give a brief introduction uh, of yourself, and then please do answer that question. Sure. Uh, my name is Ron Placone. I am a comedian and a writer, and uh, I host a show called Get Your News On with Ron which is a show that uh, goes through news that I find to be important. And uh, I am interested in strikes, labor issues, digital rights, net neutrality, municipal broadband, climate change, localism, local action. And, and I, I like some electoralism at the federal and state level too, but I try not to overamplify that because I feel like too many people do. Uh, and I have a monthly segment about MMT with uh, yeah. Mr. Jeff Epstein. He's my MMT, oh. my MMT dealer. My MMT ah, guy. Um, so 
I guess before I knew about MMT, I did not have an MMT segment on Get Your News on with Ron. <laughs> so there you go. Thing. Okay. There's one. Well, thanks, Ron. But, uh, it's been nice talking with you. No, yeah. So um, how did I hear about it? So, Well, before while... you answer, if, if I may, before you say how you discovered it, do you have any like semblance of what your thinking of money was before you discovered it? You know, you know like taxing the rich and and – you know, the myths, basically, that what myths did you buy into? And Well, I definitely, I don't know if I like totally bought any myths hook, line and sinker. I mean, it, it kind of, it's one of those things you sort of knew, but you never thought, well, wait a second, what exactly does that mean? You know, like, like, I know it's like, yeah, we create our own currency. That wasn't information that I didn't know already, but I never applied it. And and that was sort of like what MMT really allowed me to do. So so that was a big thing. As far as I still do support taxing the rich. Oh, of um, course. Sure, I, sure, I have sure. uh, my attitude. Reason. Sure, like like my attitude towards it has slightly changed as a result of this. It's not the whole oh we can't afford this is a total myth. That's a total myth. And I guess. I don't want to say I totally bought into that because I always knew that was BS. But, you know, when I really looked into MMT, I realized that that was BS on a whole higher level than I ever Mm -hmm. realized. You know, Mm -hmm. like like I always knew it was BS because I'm like, look, we could we could just put a modest tax on Wall Street and pay for whatever we wanted, which is true. And I still think that's very important. That's a very Mm -hmm. important message because it's still important to emphasize how grossly we are mishandling, you know, just the financial resources that we have in circulation. But when you factor in MMT, you realize it's BS to the nth degree, like like, like it's BS, like like times 11. Orders of magnitude, yeah. So for me, it was, um, and especially when I read uh, David Graeber's book, Debt, which we talk about in our segments at least one time every episode, I highly recommend, again, I think the two books that will help you get started, Deficit Myth by Stephanie Kelton, Deficit Myth, it would help if I said it right, Deficit Myth by (laughs) Stephanie Kelton, and Debt by David Graeber. I would say do Deficit Myth first. It's a little easier. A little, Um, just a little easier. (laughs) Debt is a a very, very heavy, dense book, but it is well Mm -hmm. worth it. I it took me a very long time to get through it. I'm not ashamed to admit that, Um, (laughs) but but it is worth it. Uh, And Deficit Myth is, um, you know, also a very substance rich book, but it is a little more accessibly written. It is a little it is shorter. And I feel like it's it's definitely an easier read. Stephanie Kelton really has a a gift at explaining these things in a way that that it's it's very easy to understand. She's just Mm -hmm. a very good educator. Uh, Stephen Hale is as well. Um, sure. so, and so are you, Jeffrey, but, um, thank you. But, My mother calls me Jeffrey. All right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, so how did I hear about it initially? So it really started hitting the blogosphere around the same time I got introduced to you, which, which I want to say was maybe three or four years ago now, maybe four. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I remember, I, I happen to remember the day that I first spoke with Graham, which was June 28th, 2018. Okay. And I have a feeling that we were kind of within a few months or maybe within the first year after that. Likely. Yeah. So I saw this hashtag MMT thing going around 
And uh, if I'm going to be brutally honest, it, it kind of looked a little culty to me. I, I wasn't all that uh, into it. I was just sort of like, what the hell is that? I just sort of didn't really look into it. Then, you know, you introduced me to it and explained essentially what it was. And, you know, I, I mm. kind of had a similar, you know, like my, my reaction was kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that that's a lot of that is stuff that we know, but we never think about, well, what does that actually freaking mean? Sure. Uh, and you had you had and continue to have very healthy criticism about all of this stuff. I think so. I, I mean, I, I, I'd like to think that the criticisms that I do have are, are a lot of the common criticisms that people have. And, and it's um, yeah, I, I'd like to think healthy is a fair way to put it, where it, it, it's it's certainly not a dismissal of the ideas at all, because I, I think the ideas are, are very good. Uh, a lot of my criticisms, and, and I think this goes for a lot of people, not just me, a lot of my criticisms and even yours are, are kind of rooted more in, okay, so what do we do about this? Sure. Which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, and that's a criticism that I know some folks have had uh, about MMT, myself included, where it's kind of like, okay, what do we do with this? How do we do sure. with this? Because because I think that one thing that some people might fall into is, well, we just have to uh, elect the right people. And that's definitely not, I mean, I, I think a, a top bottom approach is not going to work. So it's more like, well, what can we do with this knowledge from the bottom up? And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know the extensive answer to that question. I think that's what we're all trying to discuss to discover. <laughs> sure. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, that's kind of the same question. The that's kind of the same question of what do we do with our government? You know, totally. So we understand. Totally. I mean, it's, you know, it's with any kind of theory. It's like, what do we do with this information? But yeah, that's, that's true. Um, so if I may ask, so I don't know if you first heard it from me, but, but, you know, I came on your show, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure pretty early on, but then, then I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's correct to say that the milestone for you was going to Australia with Graham and meeting Steve and Stephen Hale and forgive me, the other name skips my mind at the moment. And then they suggested the movie debt to you. I'm pretty, can you, can you elaborate on how that came to be? We, uh, yeah, we met Stephen Hale and uh, I, I want to say his name was Peter, it's, but I'm, I'm right on, right on the tip of my tongue. Them, yeah. But they're, they're, they're brilliant. And there were a couple other people who were just friends with them as well, who were there. But they came to our show in Adelaide, Australia, which was God, so much freaking fun. Uh, don't get me started on how excited I am to finally be touring again soon. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, so they came out to the Adelaide show. And the next day we all met for beers. And mm-hmm. what Steven said, and of course, Steven has been on my show and I, I know he's been on yours as well. Uh, brilliant, brilliant guy, Dr. Stephen Hale out in Adelaide. He basically explained how so many people not just in the world but even in his own field they just have these misconceptions on what it really means to have money what that really means yeah. uh and he said you got to read the book debt by david graber so mm. i read that book and first of all i mean i definitely you want to talk about misconceptions i definitely thought uh just because it's one of those things that they explained it to you this way in economics classes. And, and I think they do it just for ease of um, introducing ideas, but there's no real historical basis for it. I definitely thought that there was a time where barter was way more extensive than it ever actually was. 
And so when you read David Graver's book where they talk about like, yeah, bartering's always been around and it still is. And we're not saying it doesn't have its place at all, but it was never this like. No major. Right. I I didn't realize that. I mean, like reading that was kind of so it's like so money was was kind of introduced as as basically just a way of um, uh, of keeping a polis in check, really. That was something I I did not realize. That was something that, you know, reading the timeline in that book kind of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not suggesting we can be a complete currency-free world anytime soon. I wish we could be, <laughs> but, um, but I, I doubt that's a change either one of us will see in our lifetime. But I think we can certainly have a better relationship with what it means to have currency and, and a relationship that actually helps regular people. And I think that is where MMT comes in. Okay. Um, I, 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 I introduced MMT to Graham. I introduced Steven to Graham. And so that's how you ended up seeing Graham in, in Australia. So I just, I just want to put a tiny thing in there that, that, that it, it is really, a very nice thing to me that I played a little bit of a indirect role in that happening. So, um, so you, I would say, uh, you know, you said it's, 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 uh, it's kind of just like the easy way to do it of, uh, you know, it's just so easy to introduce students to barter. And so that's kind of why they did it because it was easy. I mean, you know, I, that's not, I'm sure that you don't believe that that strongly, but that is, you know, roughly what you said. And I would very strongly say that, no, it's to crush the poor. Because the most important misunderstanding of money. So that, you think that random people who teach economics are trying to crush the poor? No, I think they are being deceived by people who are who indeed do want to do that. Okay, I mean maybe I don't know. No, I I, I feel rather confident about that. I mean, do I have evidence? No, it's a, it's very strong speculation that the, these myths are either deliberate crushing the poor or you have been deceived by someone who wants to crush the poor at the very beginning you mean uh, what do you mean at the very beginning like at the very beginning like like you're you're not suggesting that you know in in economics departments all across the world people are like let's deceive the poor by telling these kids that bartering was a thing but you're saying no no they, the they had of it they had been duped they had by been duped. This they have been duped by this. No, I don't think economics professors and economics online and whatever want to crush the poor, but mm-hmm. they make money from people who do. And so they, their paycheck depends on them sticking to this. And so is their excuse I want to crush the poor? No. Their excuse is I want to keep my privilege. Or I mean, you know, just very roughly speaking. But I don't I don't want to go too far into that. But but just the the fundamental misunderstanding of money. Fundamental, which is so good that which is why it is so good that you read the book debt is that money is physical where in reality money is a creature of the state. So the idea of myth is the idea that money is physical. It is uh, the metalist theory where the reality is, which is in debt is that money is actually a creature of the state. That money is a emerges from the state as opposed to governments emerge from markets and their money governments came in, which, you know, debt talks about as the myth the barter myth of barter is that they that they had markets already. They were exchanging and using their gold and whatever, but it was too inconvenient. So they brought a government in, which made it all smooth, smoothed out the whole process. That is that is the uh, that's the myth of barter, 
which is essentially that money is physical. So anyway, that it is really good that you read that book because that is the heart of every myth that is out there is based on the myth of barter and that money is physical. So it's, 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 it's very good that you did that and you were so ambitious right from the beginning with that. So that's good. Um, so, uh, okay. So, so you read, you read debt and, uh, continue from there. Or, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, I, I read debt before I read deficit myth because death, uh, debt's been around, you know, for a long time. I mean, David Graeber's actually no longer with us. Yeah. So, you know, I read that book. I want to say, would it have been 2020? Um, mm, I think it might've been 2020 when I read it. Um, oh, okay. Cause you met him and I'm pretty sure like early 2019, I think you were down there. It was uh, late 2019. We were in okay. Australia in November of 2019. Okay. okay. It was, One of the it last was there in summer. Wow. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was November. Cause I remember I got back to the States sort of, I, I think it was like right around Thanksgiving time. So, okay. okay. So, yeah. Um, so I think it was, you know, after the holiday season, I dove into debt. So I, I want to say it was January 2020 because um, there wasn't a pandemic when I was reading it. I know that. Um, <laughs> but um, <sighs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I read debt and I read Deficit Myth like shortly after it came out. Someone actually bought it for me, which was nice. I got it in my P.O. box. Hmm. Um, but prior to that, I had already read it. Uh, just I got it on my Libby app at the library. So, you know, now I, I have a physical copy as well. But okay. um, but yeah, and, and I had also heard Stephanie Kilton talk a couple times. And, th- and this would have been, you know, kind of I mean, the timeline's not totally linear. Like, I mean, I've heard Stephanie Kelton give interviews before because by about 2019, I mean, I was intrigued by these ideas and you know, I, I wanted to learn more about it. You know, I mean, I'm the kind of guy where I like to learn more about ideas that I think could help. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean I, I think any one idea is the answer to everything. I, I think it, it, it takes a, an entire body of ideas. Um, I am intrigued by different things and different tools. And, and some people at times I, I have gotten emails before by people who said, I'm not allowed to interview someone about MMT. If I'm also going to interview somebody about cryptocurrencies. Um, okay. And I, that was my response. I said, why am I, I'm not allowed to learn about this one thing. If I'm going to learn about this other thing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so, I mean, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole too much, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just like anything else. And, 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 one thing I like about MMT is, is I see connections here to so many other issues. I see connections to, you know, how MMT can help us uh, handle climate change, how MMT can help us, um, you know, bring in something like universal health care. Now, you want to talk about criticisms of, uh, of MMT. Another one that I do have is, is I think that there are some in the MMT community, and I know that you're not one of them, but, you know, there were some in the MMT community who I thought were, were kind of counterproductive when it comes to things like universal healthcare in the United States. And, you know, you would kind of see things like, like certain people in the MMT space were very dismissive of uh, statewide efforts for uh, single payer healthcare. State versus federal. Yeah. Well, 
I would disagree with that framing. It's not state versus federal. It's a means to an end. It's a strategy. Okay. Uh, nobody thinks that we would be better off with 50 state systems instead of a federal system. I don't know anyone who thinks that. Right. Um, but it's kind of how do you get there? And sure. a lot of people have concluded, and I'm one of them, that a state by state approach, well, not perfect, is probably our best chance. I believe okay. that. I, I think there's no way by the time we would finally get the votes at the federal level, I, I mean, we'd all be dead, Jeff. We would all be, I mean, unless you're going to live till, till you're 100, uh, I don't think I'm going to make it that long. I think that it's going to happen similar to the way it happened with cannabis. You're going to see a state get it. You're going to see another state get it. And then it's going to lead to federal policy. That's a political strategy that even Stephanie Kelton herself uh, thinks is a good thing. So when you would see some people in the MMT world dismissing that and completely writing it off. And to me, uh, more than that, actually shaming people who do that. And, and, and basically it basically comes down to this. I don't know what I think about it. Uh, as, well, actually I kind of do. I think we should hit all this issue on all sides, just like I many agree. issues, because we have I no agree. idea which one is going to break first and we have to be ready. And the concept of telling someone that they should not do what they believe that they should do or not do what they don't feel like doing is disgusting, really. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. You don't tell someone that is on the same side as you to not do what they believe is best. That's it. Well, yeah. And, and again, I mean, it's just if you think that strategy is flawed, you, you have to at least come up with a better one. You can start, there's a difference between saying that I – sorry. There's a difference between saying I think this is flawed and I don't think that that's going to be productive. And that's as opposed to saying you are wrong for doing this and I, and I fight against you and I will shame you in public for it. I agree. No, no, I, I totally agree. And, and yeah, and, and it's okay. It's okay to bring it up that it's like, okay, what we want is a federal policy. And, and the thing is is that – Everybody fighting on the state level, they don't disagree. I, I don't know one person, at least, who disagrees with that. Everybody agrees. It, it's a means to an end. Of course. Like, 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 like that's all it is. So, so you're just arguing against a strategy, and you're, at the very least, letting the, the perfect get in the way of the good. And, and at the very worst, you're just being completely counterproductive. I, so, I, I you know, agree. that's one criticism. And I know that that's not everybody in the MMT community. In fact, I'd like to think that's just a very um, loud, you know, it, it, it's sure. a very loud few. Um, but, but I, I do think that that's a fair criticism that it's, you know, sometimes you're so caught up in your theory that you're dismissive of, you know, a, a tactical approach that while it's not perfect, it may be our best option. I mean, I think it is. I, 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 I'd love to be proven wrong and we get federal Medicare for all tomorrow. Whatever. Yeah, but, no, I, I, but I don't think it's going to happen that bad. I, I think it's state by state is our best approach. And, and I agree with what you said that it's like, Hey, we, we got to try everything. We don't have the luxury yeah, of right. picking and choosing. Because, some, oh, well, that's not that, that strategy. I don't like that because it, it contradicts yeah, instead of, instead of doing, instead of doing what I feel is best, I'm going to spend my time stopping you from what you feel is best. So both of our energies is going to be wasted. And, you know, so we focus on these these stupid fights and trying to, you know, anyway, it, it's I, I agree with you that 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 I don't necessarily 
know what I think about your strategy versus the national strategy, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't well, matter. Do what you think. Strategy. I mean, I mean, first of all, it's not my strategy. It's a strategy, of course, and it is a strategy that I just think is our our best bet. I mean, I mean, because what's the alternative? I mean, the alternative is just trying to get votes at the federal level or trying to get Biden to enact the power he has via the Social Security Act. And my personal take, if they didn't do it during a freaking global pandemic, they ain't doing it. Well, they luckily, we're going to have a global I pandemic mean, for the rest of our lives. So anyway, I, I um, sincerely hope you're wrong. And, and I <laughs> me too. to accept that. I refuse well, to accept that. Me too. Um, some people want to do certain things. Some people want to do other things. Some people want to do both. Some people want to do none. Let them all loose. And let's see what happens. Sure. So um, so you read the deficit myth uh, after you read debt, soon after you read debt. I wonder how I wonder how the deficit myth, myth kind of struck you. And I wonder if debt uh, made it kind of more quick for you to pick up. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Reading debt it kind of made deficit myth go by uh, a little quicker, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I, I would say, cause reading debt, what debt did was it just made me really just, you know, I, I mean, to kind of paraphrase, I mean, what Stephen Hell said was, was just such a great summary. It's like, it just made me rethink like what it really means to have money. What mm-hmm. all of that means. So in some ways it's like, Debt is the foundation and the and the basement and the first floor, and then deficit mm. myth is like the bedrooms. Wow! And, and, Interesting and way of putting it. And that completes the house, you know. Okay. And, and that doesn't mean that, um, because yeah, I mean, debt is such a foundational work in so many ways. Whereas deficit myth is a more uh, kind of contemporary look. And saying, and, and there's some history of deficit myth too, but but it's a more contemporary look of saying, okay, this is how our system works, and this is what we could do. We don't mm-hmm. do it this way, but this is how it works. And and one of the things that deficit myth does that debt didn't do as much because debt was such a historical perspective mm-hmm. is deficit myth really took on a lot of the contemporary, as, as you like to call them, myths that are out there. A big one being inflation. Oh, mm-hmm. well, if we just if we just create money and and, mm-hmm. and we just put all this money, there's just going to be inflation. That's true if you have no policy around it. Uh, but, you know, one of the things you've said that I think sums it up well, inflation is caused by shitty policy or, you know, disasters. So, yeah. you know, it, it's not like if we if we create with purpose and we create with uh intention and it is designated appropriately that's not going to lead to inflation it doesn't work that way mm-hmm. uh, i would i would i have there's a third item for that inflation list that i've that i've learned so it's catastrophe bad policy and outsized market power which is kind of an offshoot of bad policy mm-hmm. when you allow when you allow uh, like o- the OPEC oil crisis, for example, which I'm studying right now, the OPEC oil crisis was not caused by bad policy. I mean, nah, it wasn't caused by bad policy. It wasn't caused by catastrophe. It was caused because the OPEC oil cartel decided to raise their prices as in revenge for the U.S. supporting Israel in the Yom Kippur War back then. So it was caused by a political – it was caused politically 
because they chose to shoot, they chose to create it. And the solution was appeasing OPEC in some way. And they chose to lower their prices again to end the, uh, to end the inflation. And the monetarists, the bad guys used that to their advantage, used the chaos and the, and the, uh, the panic, uh, and the worry of that, you know, the real inflation of people being in line for gas to their advantage to pretend that Keynesian economics, which is what MMT is based on, is what the fault is, what caused this inflation, that they couldn't predict it. They should have been able to predict this, but they couldn't. And therefore, Keynesian should be discarded and let us in. And it worked. They, 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 they basically prepared for this for like 50 years, this coup. And that's who we have today. So, uh, so market power, uh, bad politics and catastrophe. Those are the three major causes of real inflation. Okay. There you go. Um, uh, so anything, anything else regarding the deficit myth or uh, maybe we could transition into uh, the, the specific policies that you are interested in and uh, that kind of has perhaps anything has changed regarding your views of those? Well, I mean, it's not like I read it last week, you know, uh, so it's not like uber fresh in my mind. But I, I guess if uh, if I have to put a period on it, I would just say go out and read those two books. And mm-hmm. I would say read debt first and read deficit myth second. I think I might have said the opposite earlier, but now that I think about it, if you're ambitious, if you're ambitious, you should definitely do that. Well, if- here's the deal, man. Debt, debt. I, I, I said debt. Jeez, I can't. It's a, it's a mud day for me. I guess I'm having <laughs> a. Uh, but uh, debt is like like we talked about it. It's way heavier, way way heavier. But now that I think about it. And yeah, I might have said read deficit myth first to ease into debt. But now that I think about it, no, scratch that. If that's what I said (laughs) earlier, scratch it. Because as we've had this conversation, no, debt is kind of a foundational read. And even though it's going to take you a lot longer um, Mm -hmm. and it's it's heavy, you know, I mean, it's like what, like 500 pages more than that. Um, Yeah, it's like what it looks like a Bible. It's like one of those types of books. It's like really. Yeah, it's a brick. It's yeah. a brick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like I had to, I, I got it from my library and put it in my backpack and on the, on the walk home. <laughs> I, had, I had to take breaks. I had to take breaks. <laughs> I had to set it down. It, I, I was just, like, the, I put it in my trunk and my car was like you know, scraping the Yeah, back. <laughs> right. It, it was scraping the bottom. Uh, so yeah. But, but yeah, whatever I said earlier, I am standing by this now. Read debt first because okay. that's the foundation. Then read deficit myth second. And okay. uh, you're going to get a lot out of it. That's going to be better than any, you know, memory based summaries that I can give you. So, uh, yeah, I recommend I recommend everyone does that. OK, OK. Um, you said before that money that maybe we, you know, someday we might have a society that won't have money and that would be a good thing. It has to be the, the money is how the government communicates. Right. So maybe it won't be money, but it will be something. They have to communicate what they want to do, who should do what, what, with what, when, and under what conditions. And currently, how they communicate those things is money. So, yeah, I mean, probably, man. I mean, who knows? I mean, I guess when I say that, it's, I mean, there were times in human history where we had no money, where we had like basically gift economies and, and stuff like that. And, and, it's hard for anyone alive right now to imagine that because that's so far removed from anything we know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's a nice thought. 
And when I say those things like, oh, maybe someday there will be a, a society without money. I'm also assuming that that civilization will look a lot different than how we know it now, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and who knows, who knows what that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think we'll ever reach a pure utopia, definitely not in our lifetimes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's something interesting to think about and, and it kind of helps you put the world in a better perspective, but, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, even though I would love to live in that world, I know we're probably not going to, so I'd rather, uh, at least have a better relationship with money than what we have now. Sure. Of course. And actually I, this kind of feels out there, but what you actually made me think of is, is, is like Star Trek and how, how like, that's kind of what we kind of expect to be in like 300 years or however many years they are in the future. And it's like, I feel really betrayed by that. I feel really duped by that. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, with, with the climate crisis and, you know, what are we really going to are we really like inevitably always getting better and eventually it's going to be star trek i mean of course not people are talking about robots that we're going to have robots taking over all our jobs so we might as well stop working now and just get a ubi check and whatever and it's like do you see this climate crisis coming do you see this I, and and actually biden my my speculation is that biden is pushing this off until the end of his term so they can blame it on trump 2.0 that's that's my speculation and that's a really scary thought well, I mean, at the end of the day, what we see in contemporary American politics is you see, you know, the fossil fuel industry owns both parties. You and I both know this. Mm-hmm. And you'll see Republicans, you know, just make their life blatantly easier. And then you'll see Democrats subtly make their lives more easier. Sure. Uh, you know, you're seeing the same thing again. I mean, I mean, the cycle's repeating you know, Obama did the same thing. And then Trump just gutted everything just like prior to Trump Bush just gutted everything. Obama did some gestural things while also opening the Arctic up to drilling. And, and, you know, you see the same thing with Biden. So, you know, it's a really significant rut we're in. And and I think people's frustrations are coming to a head. That's why you saw more protesting than anything else at the summit that just happened in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that people are waking up. And, and as far as, you know, what you were pondering, we are continuing to advance technologically. But does that synonymously mean we're getting better as a society? Well, not necessarily. You know, but if you there's a book called The Shallows that really breaks this down by Nicholas Carr, I recommend. It kind of says that the technology is going to be there to, to think that we're just going to go back to some primitive age. It, it, it's it's not going to happen. So technology is going to be there. It's going to continue to increase. It's up to us uh, how we use that. And we can either use it for a better society or we can use it to amuse ourselves to death. <laughs> I'd rather do the former. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, all right. Well, let me ask you a non MMT question. And how would you define the difference between Republican and Democratic parties? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> one is neo-fascist. One is neoliberal. The and that th- those are just by definition what they are. Like I'm not okay. I'm not trying to sound doom and gloom. I, I'm just being real here. Uh, well, how do you define those? I guess you're going to. Republicans are neo-fascist. Fascism, when you trace it back to what Mussolini was going for, it basically just is corporations in the state are completely married. Um, 
No, that's not to say there's not any overlap. I mean, there, there. I would describe Joe Biden as a neo-fascist. I would describe Pete Buttigieg as a neo-fascist. Again, Do definitionally, it. that's what they are. Um, but the Democrats as a whole, I say, are kind of a neoliberal platform, meaning uh, and neoliberal. I, I when I say neoliberal, I don't mean new liberal. People think <laughs> that on Twitter. They think that like like no, I mean neoliberal. Neoliberal basically means let the market decide, laissez-faire capitalism. You kind of have this idea that oh, we want to help people out, but we want to just let the market decide, and that's the difference between Republicans and Democrats. Republicans are just on the surface, nope, give it to Wall Street, give it to the corporations. We don't care. Democrats mm-hmm. are. We care, but we don't want to stop the corporations at all. Let's let the market decide. Neoliberalism okay. leads to neo-fascism and vice versa 100% of the time, especially when those are your only two choices. And what's going on is that we are in a big ping pong game, which I feel bad making that analogy because I really do love to play me some ping pong. But we're in a ping pong game where there's a neo-fascist at one end, a neoliberal on one end. And they're just batting the ball back and forth. And we, my friend, are the frickin' ball. And here's mm-hmm. the other big problem. They don't want to end that volley. Neither one of them's actually trying to get the ball past the other opponent. They're just lobbing it back and mm-hmm. forth. Here you it's go, neoliberalism. Here you go, neo-fascism. Here you go, mm-hmm. neoliberalism. But we're still getting uh, beat back and forth. And that's why uh, I'm a huge advocate of breaking up the duopoly. I think it needs to happen. I don't think there's any other choice. We need to change the system. That's very hard to do. But the one good news is you can do that from the bottom up. It's mm-hmm. not impossible. Well, I know that you are uh, interested in, or I don't know, I don't know if you've how many you've done so far, or but you're interested in interviewing candidates, and and I'm uh, uh, have been interviewing candidates with uh, Ramona Masachi as well on my podcast. I, I'm and, very, I I'm actually not interested in interview. I mean, I, I have very little interest in interviewing people in electoralism. Uh, oh, what you okay. what you might what you might think is, um, I was talking about how. I wanted to focus more on uh, electoralism at the local level. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested in interviewing city council people, people running for mayor, people running for school board. I'm so you are interviewing. It's just different candidates than I was expecting. Yeah. Or I you mean, want to. You want to. yeah, I mean, I, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to interview anyone who's running for Congress. It doesn't mean I don't applaud their efforts. It doesn't mean I, I'm not going to vote or anything like that. I just feel like, in the toolkit of change, electoralism is one small and overamplified part of it. Mm-hmm. And I am guilty myself of overamplifying it. I think everyone on freaking YouTube is. And so I'm among them. And I want to stop that. And I don't really care if it means my viewership goes down. It already, I, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to do what I think is important. So, you know, the last person I interviewed was uh, somebody running for mayor in Montana. And it was an incredibly interesting interview that had worldwide application because it wasn't just, oh, I don't live in Montana. Why should I listen to this guy? It's more, hey, here's a guy who is using his skill set as a carpenter and as someone who knows a thing or two about city planning. He's using his skill set to try to make his community better. That's a message you can take with you, whether you live in Des Moines, Iowa, where a a candidate running on defund the police won a city council seat. I want to interview her as soon as possible. Uh, Whether you live in Edinburgh, Scotland or anywhere else. I don't know why Edinburgh was on my mind. It's one of my favorite (laughs) cities. Maybe that's why. So. uh, So, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do as far as 
federal. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll interview people. It's not like they're not welcome on my show or anything like that, but it's something I want to spend the least amount of time on. And, you know, I mean, everyone else spends 90% of their time on that stuff. So you can get it anywhere else. You don't need to get it from me. Sure. Well, you again, do what you feel is best and that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, I was heavily involved in Bernie for five years. I was a, I was a delegate for him both both times. I I worked in his office full time for a long time. I mean, I volunteer, but I, I worked as, in his office in 2016. That's almost by definition over amplifying electoralism. So I guess it's just a matter of choosing if you want to be involved, be involved. And obviously, you're going to be overemphasizing you well, know, that, during the time well, you're and involved. Again, I'm just speaking for me. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong. If that is your lane, that is totally fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and not even you specifically, but I mean, like the general view, like, like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just for other people, that's not their lane. It's not mine. And yeah, fair enough. So I'd, I'd rather, you know, do what I know or, or do what I'm passionate about. So, you know, I mean, if, if people want to get in electoralism, do it totally. It takes everybody. It takes all mm-hmm. kinds. Like you said, it, it takes all approaches. It takes all kinds. Uh, I'm just not that guy. Everybody always says it's an inside outside approach. Here's the outside. Yeah, Here's totally. a guy on the outside. And, and I would say the <laughs> cause based initiatives, which is where I would put you, I would put you because your big cause is MMT. That's your big, you know, like that's your big issue, right? I mean, it's in your freaking Twitter handle. So, <laughs> you know, it's in your podcast name. I would say that's more of a cause based um, action than I would say mm-hmm. that's electoralism. If you want to mm-hmm. interview candidates around that, that's totally fine, too. You're turning them on to a new issue. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when I do interview people who hold office, it's because I have something specific I want to talk to them about. I want to sure. talk to them about their broadband bill. I want to talk sure. to them about, you know, whatever it is. What's important um, to you? Totally. So. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's my take on that. I'm, I'm not trying to say that electoralism doesn't have its place. I'm not trying to say but that, you're a reasonable person, Ron. You're a reasonable person. You're saying what your thoughts are, but you're not trying to impose your thoughts into other people. And that's perfectly fine. No. And I'm saying if people, you know, if people like that perspective and they want to see more content around it, that's what I'm going to provide. And, you know, if people just kind of want to hear, you know, electoralism 24 seven, there's a billion and five shows you can choose from. The of, two. Course, of course, so, of course, of course. I am darkly cynical about electoralism in general as well. I mean, I, and basically that turning point for me was the neoliberal shindig after South Carolina in the 2020 campaign, the 2020 really? primary. That, no shit. That he, oh, you're, yeah, okay, nice. Um, so that really changed me. That really, it was like I, I had worked for Bernie for five years, I invested mm-hmm. my soul into Bernie for five years straight. And Bernie yeah. was my introduction to adulthood in a way. I mean, I was never involved in politics or, or cared or politics or economics or anything before Bernie Sanders. He didn't introduce me to MMT, but he indirectly did through Seth sure. and so on. Well, and, so, and, that's, and that's one thing to kind of <laughs> celebrate, you know, I, I mean, cause I mean, believe me, Jeff, if we start talking about, the 2020 election. I mean, we're both going to be crying in each other's no. arms in no time. Yeah, no. it's st- it still hurts no. me, and it still hurts you, and it still hurts most people. But um, but you know, the one thing that Bernie did that I will always be thankful for is you know he kind of was in the right place at the right time, and it wasn't just him as an individual. It was you know all kinds of factors too, but he was in the right place at the right time, and he kind of turned on a big flashlight. 
and showed us that we're not as alone as we thought we were and, yes. and, and turned people like you onto ideas you didn't even know about before. Yep. You know, I mean, so I'm really thankful for that. And, and when you look at it, that was only five years ago. So it's not totally inappropriate that we're all sort of just wandering around going, what the f*** do we do now? We're, we found we're, a, we're still the smallest group in the United States. But at least we know each other now. But at we're least not we're in as, touch now. A lot more of us know each other, and we're not as small as we thought we were. We're still by sm- far the smallest, but we're not as small as we thought we were. So that's the good news. Now what the f*** do we do? I don't think we're the smallest necessarily. We're the smallest online. We're the smallest. We're the smallest, I, I, we're the smallest among those people who have voices. Well, look, but, it, it depends on how you want to. I, I mean, I, I guess it de- depends on how, like, kind of micro specific you want to get. Well, I mean, you know I just think I mean? of just think like of voting the, rights, voting rights, uh, have, what votes are counted, who's allowed in the voting booths, who's ignored by uh, 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 unemployment statistics. I mean, all of those people. We have no idea, criminals that shouldn't be criminals. People in the sure. military because they're desperate because they can't pay their bills, so they join the military. The military is essentially the, our job guarantee. For you know our our, our employer of last resort, so but all I, I of those people we're not necessarily counting. We don't know if they would be part of us at all. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying. I think well, you're probably pretty close. But. I agree with that. What I what I mean by that is people who are already you know on board with the ideas. I I would agree with you that there are a ton of people who are on board who would be on board with the ideas if they were introduced to them. Um, of course, the whole point is to keep people in the dark. I, slaves don't let the sun shine in with slaves. Exactly, right? exactly. Don't well, let the sun shine in. So they why why not? Because they're only animals and they can't learn. They're not capable of learning. But you try and give them a book, and all hell breaks loose. Okay, so really, totally. are they are they incapable of learning, or you just don't want them to learn? Right? It's don't let the sun shine in. Of course, they have the capability of learning. So, how many of those people, if they knew these things, would join us? We have no idea. And, you know, whatever. I mean, we are small, that is for sure. But I think a lot of that small is a, is a function of people being disposed of. Oh, of course, man. So. I mean, it, for a hundred years now, lefty ideas have been. Uh, you know, marginalized and antagonized and misrepresented for a hundred years. But I mean, people so, literally being disposed, being being pushed out of existence through the news of by and for the rich, through unemployment statistics that ignore all of these people by by putting them in prison because they smoke a joint. You know, all of those, sure. all of those kinds of things. But but anyway, yeah, sure. um, Bernie gave us two things, in my opinion. He gave us a community, which is so important. So I'm quite guarantee we would never have been met if, if, you know, if it wasn't for Bernie. Number two, he, I think he very clearly for the first time made the true problem and the true solution clear. And that, and that, I think those two things, he defined the problem clearly and he defined the solutions clearly and that, and all of his what big policies. His, what are his solutions? You mean Medicare for all? Oh, his old Green New Deal. Yeah, all of those policies for education, free education from pre-K through postgraduate. Right. Yeah. No, I I agree that his policies are the way to go. I mean, I guess where I differ from you a little bit there is I. I mean, those are all. He didn't invent any of it. You know, like like it's it's. But he educated that that community of all these things. Yeah. No, he did, and 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 you're absolutely right. I, I guess I would get a little frustrated by the whole bernie bro 
thing by by people calling people Bernie bros and stuff like that. Because, you know, my take was I was just like, wait a second. I was for these policies before I even knew who Bernie was. Of course. I was for single payer health care before I knew who Bernie was. I voted for other single payer candidates before I even voted for Bernie. (laughs) You know, like, like it's like I didn't. I didn't like not have political views. And then Bernie came along. I had my political views and then Bernie was in the right place at the right time. And I was like, not me though. Who has a chance. I was a blank slate. No, so shit. he taught right. me everything. I was a blank slate. So all of these things were, were almost entirely new to me. So it was right. a tidal wave of, of all of these things. So for me, and I, you know, I, I presume that there are quite a few people like me. Sure. That, that really, it really there's did. People, introduce there's people like both. I mean, there's people who are people like what there's people like both of us. I mean, there's there's people, you know, like politically there, like there's people who it's like, I've been a lefty for a long time. And now finally, there's somebody who's, you know, has a bigger platform who actually has a chance. Let's Mm -hmm. do this. And then there were people who, yeah, I mean, maybe it was their first introduction to these ideas, which is I mean, both are great. Both are great. And again, I think it goes into we're not as alone as we thought we were. Right. And so that's the first step. And it's a very important first step. And it's a great first step. But we're running out of time to really, you know, take action on these things. So yeah. on, at the same time, we're not gonna be able to take action unless we take a breath and, and you know, get our act together and, you know, make make decisions of what we're going to do. But but it's, you know, so he he what introduced me to MMT was that he says, well, we should have all these things. And it's so horrible that we don't have all these things. Duh, of course. I mean, not to Bernie, just to the idea. Of course, of course, it's horrible. We don't have all these things. And then T. So, so then I was asking, why don't we have all these things? I was. That's the question that came to me. So, if it's so obvious, if we've been asking for these things for a hundred years, then why don't we have them? If it's so obvious, and then that's how that's how I stumbled onto MMT. Someone finally answered that question for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. indirectly, you know, Bernie doesn't talk MMT. He talks taxpayer, which is kind of maddening. But at the same time, he has policies which are very clearly validated by MMT if you get rid of that pay for from, well, and from he, all of them. I mean, he wanted Stephanie Kelton to be in his cabinet. Which I think is what – okay, well, I didn't hear that specifically. That's good to know. But he had – she is, I'm sure, a huge reason of why those policies were so bold. And I think the only compromise or the only whatever that, that Bernie wouldn't let go of or whatever was all the pay-fors in those policies. See, I yeah, I see what you're saying. I do think it was important, though, from a messaging standpoint, how he showed regular people how easy it was for us to have all these things. Because he did lay with out... With pay-fors. With pay-fors. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's important messaging. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, and you can disagree with that. And I'm going um, to. <laughs> I, I don't know why you would. I don't know why you would. When you show people how easy it is, you know, it's easier to show people, yes, we can have this, and it really is this easy. It's easier to do that than to get them to uh, watch an MMT series, read a bunch of books. I, I mean, it's just way easier to to get their votes. The, the okay. no, I think this is probably probably. No, granted, biggest... Bernie lost, but. You know, he lost for a lot of reasons. Well, I'm going to say uh, just very quickly, I, I think he lost because he chose to lose. He chose to he, he needed to call out the, the corruption and he didn't. He allowed people to vote when they were risking their lives to vote. And not only did he well, allow them, he didn't I call it out. You, he also accepted the results of that vote. Right. He, but can I ask you this? I mean, sure. uh, honest question. 
please. Do you think there's any way in hell they would have let him be the nominee? What what does it matter? He what is, what's I'm the answer asking. matter? No, but I mean, what what is the so? What if the answer is no? It doesn't it doesn't change the fact that we are desperate for some big kind of change, and he was our biggest chance for a change that you know probably so in answer, our lifetime. Well, I mean, I'm just I mean, is the answer no? Because my answer is no. Like like, there's no way they're. They of course, I thought, they're going to do like, everything. They're going to do everything in their power to not allow any any poor person to get what they need. And Bernie was, was a huge representation of that. So, I mean, of course, of course they're not going to allow it, but it's up to us to make, to, to make that not possible. What other choice is there? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we can't replace, I, maybe I've said this, like we can't replace our government. We can replace a hammer. We could buy another hammer, but we can't replace our government. So maybe it's unlikely and maybe it's impossible to change it. To to let you know someone like Bernie in or to whatever, but it doesn't change the fact that it's the only chance we have. That's the only government that we have. uh, Okay, yeah, I I disagree. I I don't think Bernie was the only chance we had. If I did, I I wouldn't be doing only. Yeah, no, no, no. I I only was not what I meant, or it was exaggeration, or whatever. But he was a big chance. He was the big chance of my lifetime. It was it was a miss of a generation, big time. I mean, it was, and we'll be talking about it for years to come. And and by the way, Bernie's not perfect, but Bernie would have been a transformational presidency. He, we didn't get it. We will we will feel this for years and years to come. I, I regardless think. of his regardless of his flaws, he changed yeah, my absolutely. life. He, he, well, me too. he, he is a reason that I feel like he was really, he was a milestone in my growing up. He really was. He was a milestone in my kind of feeling like I, I became an adult I to a significant far, degree. But, but, but I, I'll I, that is, I'll that is what I feel. That is what I feel. Like he really woke me up. I was, I was, I was afraid. I was, I was felt powerless. I felt like I had no whatever. And now I understand that the I have I have something that I can do, whether or not, you know, I'm going to face an impossible amount of uh, physical resistance if I dare try. That's one thing. But before I didn't even think I understood how to give myself a voice. So I, I really do. I mean, it's kind of a nebulous feeling, but I really do feel that um, I wanted to go back to. Uh, the pay for this is kind of the fundamental disagreement that you have and I, you and I have had since we mm-hmm. met, which is, yeah. which is, you know, it is in my view, it is easy because you are catering to ignorance, and by catering to ignorance, you are enhancing that ignorance, and people are asleep, and we could sweet talk them so we don't wake them up, or we can shake them awake, and my view very strongly is that we need to shake them awake. So and that if we talk about them with a pay for, that go to, is... Go to voters and say, you are fundamentally ignorant. Let me tell you why you're ignorant. I that, wouldn't go strategy? to the... Ins- of course, not the... Okay, okay, not the insults, but the concept of waking people up. As I mean, I'm a reasonable person. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you the, you know, the overall strategy that people are ignorant. No, I'm not going to walk it in the street saying, hi, you're ignorant. Let me tell you why you're ignorant. I don't think that's going to be a very effective strategy. Yeah, and that kind be. of goes, that goes back to, you know, telling people what they should be doing or not doing and shaming them for that. You know, I'm a reasonable person, but yes, I think that people should be shaken up from their zombified neoliberalism, that's right, neoliberalism 
they're they're that's what they are and we so, could now everything you said though i, I mean jeff like and again th- this is just a matter of of just messaging and, and trying to actually get something that will win i mean everything you said would would just completely turn off regular people but i'm talking like, to you in private like, i'm not it, talking to a voter no, no, i understand that but but i'm saying it's it's like you know the subject that we're on right now is just, you know, messaging from somebody in Bernie's shoes. And I'm saying, yes, it is valuable to bring up that messaging of showing people. It's like, this isn't some unattainable thing that we can't afford. This is, these are the resources we have right now. This is how they're being misallocated. If we just (laughs) reallocated them, it's this simple that we can have all these things. That is a valuable message. And then once you have, once you rope people in with that, then you can kind of push it a step further and be like, oh, by the way, we never have to worry about any of this shit because we create our own currency. Okay. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. People in, man. So it's, it's a valuable thing from a messaging standpoint. If everybody in the United States read debt and deficit myth like you and I, then, yeah, we could have a totally different approach. But, well, that's just not the reality. That's not the world we live in, Jeff. But again, it's it's all that's the way that you choose to approach it. And I'm a reasonable person. So even though I say I want to wake them up, I'm not going to do it in a way that that is insulting. You know, I, I'm going to sure. pick and choose uh, who yeah. I think is open minded and I'm not going to be a jerk because I'm just not a jerk. Uh, but but I do believe very strongly in that. And the, and, a, and a big reason of why I think it's it's it is flawed is because we can't do a bold Green New Deal by with taxation. It's not going to happen. The rich don't have enough money to fund, in that view, a Green New Deal. And therefore, you are now brought up with talking about how are we going to pay for something that can't be paid for in the traditional myth sense. So, But if you you get it passed, they're just going to create the currency anyway. If something like it passed, it would, it would just be funded anyway. So who cares? Who cares if 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 we get if it passed? Green sure, New, sure, no, totally. But if we get a green new deal passed, who cares if if if, if jerks like Joe Manchin go on CNN and jerk off about a, a debt ceiling? If we got it passed, you know what I mean? Of course, if we get it passed, but I agree with you. If we get it passed, I'm talking about which I thought we were talking about of talking with people up to that point to get them to right. push Congress to pass it, right? So, but 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 it's like if you have the map there, you know, like I just think that's a valuable message. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep talking about it, and I and I we and will. I feel I, I feel like we're I feel I just I just feel like once you get more more deeply into MMT, that you'll see it differently. And you know we'll we'll see what that is. Uh, you I, I know, in a few couple will, years from we're now, not, we're not arguing theory; we're arguing uh, approach. And okay. I, I think that I mean it, it's a worthy discussion to have because you know at the end of the day, like we all want the same things, and and it's just um, you know it, it's just a matter of getting people there. And I'm at the point where I want my team to get bigger. I want my team to get bigger because the freaking planet's collapsing. Uh, so, you know, I see value in, in people that have made some progress in that area. Now for me, again, I'm a bottom up type guy. I'm more interested in doing stuff in my community. I'm more interested in talking to the person running for city council. I'm more interested in cause-based initiatives, you know, turning people on to something like net neutrality, turning people on to something like municipal broadband, you know, and again, like when I do stuff like that, I don't open up with, 
like, oh, oh, but so so this is how we're getting like like this is how they're screwed us over, and this is why Cobcast is corrupt. I, I don't start there. I start by saying, like, look, this is what City Internet can do. This is what it's done for other communities. This is how it's important uh to our community and what it could do for us how it could give us better quality internet at a better price how it could give us more jobs locally how it could be a good business incentive you know i'm talking the language of all kinds of different people because it's not a left-right issue it's it's an issue of accessibility it's an issue for the people and the haves and the have-nots so i speak that language to try to get people into the ideas and then, you know, once I got them, then maybe we could talk about like, oh, by the way, these big cable companies have an organized freaking duopoly. They're like the goddamn mafia. And this needs to end. And that's why our Internet freaking sucks. Sure. And, and it's, can, that is you can lead people to it gradually. If you just start beating them over the head with like, you know, the truth about big cable, you might turn some people away. It is just a different – what you're saying and what I'm saying is just a different version of how you choose to gain people's trust so that they will listen to you. That's what – that's – you know, you, you, everybody has their own different ways of doing that, and that's fine. So that's – you know, that's what you choose to do. And, and, and you can trust that I'm not going to be an insulting person when I go to someone, and I'm not going to pick someone not. that's not interested in listening to it. So – um, all right. So, so we're, we're at a good hour now. And I mean, I can keep going, but I know you said you're tight. Um, so what would you say? Is there anything that you feel needs to be said about, you know, MMT? And then, uh, then I'll well, just answer that. Is there anything you feel needs to be said in this interview, whether it's MMT or just, you know, anything regarding whatever? Take or your cat, whatever, Ron. Off your glasses. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's a life choice, Ron. It's a life. No, choice. I get it, man. I, I get it. I respect it. Um, <laughs> is there anything else I want to say about Emma? I, I just, you know, because if someone's watching, you know, this MMT segment or listening to your podcast, they have already taken that first step in, in wanting to learn about these issues, which is great. And wanting to learn about this theory, which is great. I encourage people to learn it I uh, to the best, the best that they can. I encourage people to use it and apply it. And I also encourage people to make those connections. See how MMT connects to other issues like climate change, like healthcare, like, um, I mean, everything. I mean, really, like, like any type of federal issue. And then the other challenge, which I wish I had a better answer for this, but it's something that I'm still trying to expand on. How can this be applied in your neighborhood? How can this be? Mm. I mean, obviously, your community mm. doesn't create its own currency. We all know this. So mm. how but how can you kind of have a grassroots uh, building of these MMT ideas, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, getting someone in the, in the city council could, could be mm -hmm. a good thing. Maybe, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just taking it into account when you manage things locally, you know, and, and again, I wish I had a better answer for this. So, so I'm counting on other people to, to, to try to maybe find some connections that I'm not seeing yet, mm -hmm. but how can this apply in your community? Because again, I don't like the idea of just, well, let's just get great people in office federally who will, you know, govern based on these ideas. To me, it's like we have to be able to do more than that. Otherwise, we're going to be chipping away for a long, long time, maybe forever, because the system is set up so that people who uh, have the ideas of Stephanie Kelton do not get into office. That's the sure. way the system's set up. Sure. So 
Yeah, there you go. I have a, I have the uh, my answer for how does MMT help on the local level, and it is simply it makes the boundaries clear. So, for example, if someone is upset that they don't have health care, they can go to their local council and say, give me health care. I mean, it is not a great example, but it doesn't really matter what the specific policy is. If, if they go to their city council or they go to their town council and they demand something, should that body give them that or should they be pointing them up? And should they all be saying, you know, we need to we need to focus on the state or we need to focus on the federal government? We shouldn't have to give you this thing. And the fact that we're pushed to do this thing is because they choose for it, not because it has to be. And so we should be angry with them and they can like redirect, you know, what the the people on the council or on the boards can understand what they should and should not provide. They can guide their constituents in the right direction of, yes, this is something we can take care of. This is something that should be taken care of higher up. So that's what I think MMT gives to local levels. I I think that's uh, an excellent point. And and I think that, um, I would like to see more cross-pollination like that. Like, why don't we see, you know, I mean, here, for instance, just using California as an example where I live, you know, we do have a state bill for single-payer health care. Why do we not see at the local level efforts being done? I mean, we do, but it's via grassroots groups. It's not like mm-hmm. it's via city government of efforts yeah. being done to kind of push this towards the state. You know, instead, there's like these very separate distinctions of, you know, the local government would never even vocalize something like that. And I would like to see that change. But again, this goes into a lot of people, they don't participate locally at all. A lot of people, they they never vote locally. They never really, they don't even know who their mayor is in, in some cases. Why? Design. I mean, yeah, totally. But I'm man. saying, so so we address the why as best as we can, as much as Absolutely. we can, and hopefully Absolutely. get in that way. Um uh, and another thing that's important for local is the job guarantee because it's federally funded, locally administered. Right. So it doesn't necessarily be need to be administered by the council, but obviously it has to somehow go through the council, whether it's to, to nonprofits or to entrepreneurs or whatever it is. But the JG, the job guarantee is another thing that you can talk about on the local level because they're the only ones who can know what is needed by that community and therefore what the job guarantee would bring to that community. And then you can start having people understand that, Oh, wait a minute. I can, I can clean up the park and make some money off of it. And I don't have to deal with my terrible boss right now, you know, start getting people thinking about it uh, from that point of view as well. Hmm. Okay. Um, so unless there's anything else, um, I think this has been good, a good mix of, you know, economics and kind of just the things we often talk about. Um, Thank you so much for for allowing me to do this. Thank you so much for yeah, having no me on, having me on, you know, MMT Mondays and and bring me on every now and then. It's it's really been nice, and it, the music has been such a bonus. It really has. And 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 you know, just a, a little bit personal is that you have really challenged me, and I don't, and, and I mean that academically and personally. Like you, you, you. Uh, you've challenged me. And I think this relationship has been very valuable for me. Well, so, I, I appreciate that, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy these segments very much. I, I always, uh, yeah, they're, they're really cool. I mean, we really break this stuff down and uh, I really enjoy doing it. And uh, it was interesting to be in the other seat this month and being <laughs> interviewed by you. So, uh, so yeah, that was interesting. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do it again sometime where like we switch roles and you interview me. I just, cool. I Whatever just, works. You know, you're the you're the more insightful MMT guy though. I'm just sort of the like wow. uh let's break this down. 
guy. But uh, but I hope people at the very least came up with uh, two really good book recommendations. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Um, it's great. It's great. It's all informed by it's all informed by MMT, and I think I think we're more we're more. I, what MMT is for me is it makes our efforts more direct, more effective, mm-hmm. and 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 actually this is a huge thing of you know I've said recently summarizing MMT. MMT is a map. It's an accurate map. So it, it doesn't tell you where to go or how to get there, but it's an accurate map where, you know, traditional neoclassical economics mainstream is, is a completely bogus map. So one has you thinking you're going somewhere, but you're actually just wandering around aimlessly. And the other has MMT has, you can choose where you want to go and beeline to it. It doesn't mean you're going to get there because if you get there, you're going to meet resistance. So what the map does, what the, f- the fake map does is it makes you essentially, it makes the poor hurt themselves so the rich don't have to. What MMT does is it beelines you to exactly where you want to go, but you're going to be met with force. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it doesn't mean that we're going to get there, but it means that we finally know what we're facing and that we can finally start dealing with the actual thing that we're going to face, which is politics, which is violence, which is whatever it is. So anyway, that that's that's what MMT has given me is it makes it clear what the problems are even though maybe reaching the destination may be unlikely, which comes back to kind of, you know, changing the government. Maybe it's impossible. Maybe it's unlikely, but that's all we got. All right, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this, buddy. I'll see you next month. Thank you too. All right. See you later. Bye everybody. Later. Happy belated too. I forgot to mention that, but uh, Jeff's birthday was yesterday. Let me do the chat really quick. And then we're going to sign off for the day. Mark, what's up, buddy? Mark Dansky. Good to see you, Mark. Great discussion, guys. Thank you so much for that. Accordion gigs are back. That's badass. You played the accordion? I wish I played the accordion. That's so cool. This worker is gladly supporting you. Thank you so much for that, Mark. And uh, keep that accordion humming. Right? I like it. Uh, Very cool. Aspen Follow, what's up over on the Rockfin? Enjoying this discourse. It's good to debate these ideas. Totally. Jeff and I, yeah, I always love, I, I love talking to Jeff. He's a really fun guy to talk to about these things. And I hope you guys enjoyed this reversal MMT Monday. We did it. We did it reversed. That was weird being interviewed about MMT instead of being the interviewer asking about MMT. I don't know how I feel. I feel a little different. I feel a little weird. But that was this week's uh, interview episode where I was actually being interviewed. We'll do the uh, headlines episode on Thursday. And I will see you all then. And in the meantime, thank you so much, Aspen Fallen. Thank you so much, uh, Mark, for the Super Chat contributions and the Rockfin tips. You guys know the drill of the beat time. Lucy, she says meow, and I say peace. Peace. Oh, wait, before I go, November 27th, Grab Elwood and I, we got a stand-up show. It's going to be our last joint co-headlining stand-up show for a while, at least domestically. So get your tickets now, November 27th. Roplico.com. See you there, Los Angeles. This is Los, A- Los Angeles. So we hope to see you. It's right after Thanksgiving. Come hang out. Lucy, she says meow. I say peace. I say peace, love, and a general strike. And read debt and deficit myth. I say all that. <laughs>
Music for this show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus, then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online headliner app. on the theme song. One of them is my raspy bullshit voice, and the other one is a very beautiful harmony uh, from someone who actually knows how to sing, uh, and that's Jeff. Jeff is the high harmony on the Get Your Music On With Ron theme song. Right, so yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, I have one request for you. Alright. My nine-year-old, his favorite part is the speaking and the put at the end, so I'm asking the two. Alright, we'll do that. Alright, alright. You ready, Jeff? Please take right, it to the bridge. Yeah. 
moment for my comrade in arms on the Progressive Comedy Tour, the political vigilante himself. Do I need to say his name? Mr. Graham Elwood! Yeah! I'm streaming this live. Keep it going for Rob Lagarde and Jeff Epstein from Citizens Media TV. Everything you want to know about modern monetary theory, talk to that front, young gentleman. We'll talk to you about it. After we uh, went on a spaghetti run last night, we just drove around Philly. There was a bunch of uh, um, drunk people, and we just yelled progressive things out of the window at them. It was really fun. It was a lot of fun. They're all like drunk and going to bars, and we're just like, taxation is theft. You know, it was really, uh, it was a lot of fun. So real quick, the people uh, that are on the live stream watching, you want you want to watch the whole stand-up show? Well, you're going to have to buy a f***ing ticket. Sweet. So uh, the show has not started yet, but uh, we had a thing yesterday where we not pipe music in up here. Um, so yesterday, I, I thought it was weird without music before a show, because it is weird. Uh, so I just jumped up and started doing it myself yesterday, uh, and it was a fun time. So my buddy Jeff here was like, let's do that again tonight. And I was like, sure, Jeff. So he's going to help me out on this first one. Uh, you can talk amongst yourself, get drinks, just relax, but uh, we're going to provide the backing music. Uh, you know, we're doing it uh, a cappella style, I guess. You ready, buddy? Let's do it. It's overtime, right? We're gonna, I, 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 there will not be no music before my show, even if I have to do it myself. That's... I decided that a long time ago. You ready, buddy? Let's do it. She grew up in an Indiana town and a good-looking mom that was never around, but she grew up fast.
Union Square. She's standing in her underwear, looking down from the hotel room. Not far will be coming soon. So, oh my my, oh hell yeah, it's been put on that party dress. Too cold to cry when I woke up alone. Played my last number, went down to the road. Last dance with Mary Jane. One more time to kill the pain. music in up here. Um, so yesterday, I, I thought it was weird without music before a show, because it is weird. Uh, so I just jumped up and started doing it myself yesterday. Uh, and it was a fun time. So my buddy Jeff here was like, let's do that again tonight. And I was like, sure, Jeff. So he's going to help me out on this first one. Uh, you can talk amongst yourself, get drinks, just relax. But uh, we're going to provide the backing music. Uh, you know, we're doing it uh, acapella style, I guess. You ready, buddy? Let's do it. It's overtime, right? We're gonna, I, 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 there will not be no music before my show, even if I have to do it myself. That's, I decided that a long time ago. You ready, buddy? Let's do it. Yes. 
pigeons down on Market Square. She's standing in her underwear, looking down from the hotel room. Nightfall will be coming soon. So, oh my my, oh hell yes, better put on that party dress. Too cold to cry when I woke up alone. Played my last number, went down to the road. Last dance with Mary Jane. One more time to kill the pain. Welcome to episode 100 of Activist MMT. Whew. Today I talk with stand-up comedian and progressive video podcaster Ron Placone. When there's not a global pandemic, Ron and Graham Elwood join together for a joint comedy tour. They've traveled all over the United States as well as Australia. I had the pleasure of seeing them twice in Philadelphia in 2019. The third time would have been October 9th, 2021, were it not for the Delta variant and our government not doing anything about, well, anything. Today, Ron and I talk about how he discovered MMT, especially through David Graeber's 2011 book, Debt. It was recommended to him by Stephen Hale over beers the day after a live show with Graham in Adelaide, Australia in late 2019. After describing his journey to MMT, Ron then expresses two of his concerns about MMT, one regarding how to apply the theory and the other with some of the practices of a small amount of its supporters. Among many other topics, Ron and I dig into the major but cordial disagreement we've had ever since meeting in August of 2018. Despite knowing that taxes don't pay for stuff at the national level, Ron believes strongly that leveraging the idea is a valuable political messaging tool. I say it's counterproductive. Really counterproductive. Take a listen and see what you think. Beyond economics and politics, Ron and I share a love of music. For the past three years, I've been a small part of nearly every Ron Placone video and podcast episode providing harmony for his theme song. In fact, the day this episode was recorded was the first that a new, more laid-back version of his theme with new harmony was debuted. At the very end of today's episode, after the closing theme music, you'll hear Ron and my live performances in Philadelphia. We sing the original version of Ron's theme song and then our cover of Tom Petty's Last Dance for Mary Jane. Ron plays the guitar and sings lead, and I sing harmony, whistle, and play percussion. With a big thanks to Jeff Ginter, the person who introduced me to MMT, for supplying the guitar. You'll find links to several episodes of Ron's show over the past three years with both me and Stephen Hale in the show notes. A final thing regarding today's episode is a minor kind of correction. The person with Stephen Hale in Australia was Phil Lawn. 
I also want to mention that, as always, you will find a duplicate of today's spoken introduction at the very, very end of the episode. It normally comes right after the closing theme music. This is for those who wish to hear it without even quiet music in the background. I started doing this more than a year ago at listener request. You can contact me directly on Twitter or at activistmmt at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a monthly patron of Activist MMT. For as little as a dollar a month, all patrons get super early access to nearly every episode. They also get the opportunity to ask my academic guests questions, and they also support the development of my large collection of Learn MMT resources, among several other things. To become a patron, you can start by visiting patreon.com slash activistmmt. Thanks. And now, on to my conversation with Ron Placone. Enjoy. <laughs> 